This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's another episode of the Equalizer podcast. Dan Laletta, Chelsea Bush, and John Halloran. And this week, as we hit the middle of May, we are going to rehash the very first NWSL draft back in 2013. That was basically when the league didn't have complete teams. They had allocated players, I believe, on January 11th. The draft was a week later. And the way they handled it was that the general managers and the coaches actually submitted a list of how strong they thought the teams were based on the allocations. And they came up with a draft order. And surprisingly, it wasn't a snake draft. It was one through eight in all four rounds, usually at the beginning of a league. It's a snake draft to start. Uh, that keeps it more fair. Uh, but we're going to rehash. Uh, we'll go pick by pick through the first round and then talk a little bit about some of the Players that got taken in the later rounds. So, Chelsea, John, let's get started. The Red Stars had the number one pick, and I think there was a surprise right off the bat because I think everyone believed Christy Mewis was the best player in this draft, but the Red Stars went ahead and drafted Zakia Bywaters, um, UCLA product, kind of a, well, not kind of a very speedy outside midfield type player. And uh, I, I guess it didn't turn out well. I've got a little bit of a controversial take on the Bywaters pick, but uh, what do you guys remember about Bywaters? I'll start with John since, as we know, you're the Chicago guy. Yeah, I, I would say that this is Chicago's one really big miss, right? I mean, it's the number one overall pick, and they ended up taking somebody who over two seasons scored four goals and then just drifted right out of the league and, and professional soccer altogether. Um, I think we spend a lot of time talking about how successful Chicago's been in the draft, whether that's Julie Ertz or Di Bernardo, Aaron Wright, Colaprico, Huerta, Naughton, Gordon, Davidson. But this one, this is a bust, right? I mean, in any other sport, that's exactly what you'd call it. It's the number one overall pick that only plays two seasons, contributes very, very little. And I think if you want to put it in perspective, you know, they pick a player at the beginning of the second round in Rachel Kwan, who starts for two and a half seasons, is, uh, as we talked about earlier in the week, was allocated by Canada for a year. And then they pick up Hoy in the fourth round, who scores 15 goals for the club and was really their most promising attacking presence the first couple seasons. So I don't think you can put this any other way than just saying it's a miss. And I actually think Taylor Vansell, their third-round pick, the goalkeeper, was a really strong pick, and I thought she did very well backing up. Who did they have that year? Aaron McLeod, I think, was their keeper that first year. Uh, but I thought that uh, you know Vansell retired, I think, after one season, and I think she actually had a future. I think she's part of that early retirement all-star team from the first 
couple years of the league. But I kind of thought, by, and I agree, it's a pick is a bust, and she is the weakest number one pick we've had in this league so far. But I thought she was starting to come around in her later years and then hurt her hip and never had a full chance to really show how good she could be. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have taken Mewis or somebody else, but um, I thought that, you know, I don't think it's a bad pick looking back, but I think it was a better pick. And there were at least a few circumstances that worked against them in this case. It's it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely fair to mention the injuries for sure. Chelsea, anything on Bywaters? Uh, I, I just, I'm kind of on John's side. I think in hindsight, she's, she's definitely a bust, especially when you look at other number one picks in, in other drafts, just previous leagues. And in this league, um, her name definitely stands out as one who didn't really go on to do a whole lot. The spirit were next and took Tiffany McCarty from Florida state who they were hoping would score some goals. And that most certainly didn't happen. Ironically, Tiffany McCarty came back in 2019 and actually got into a game for the Spirit, which was during, it was a makeup game that was during a FIFA window that was made up from a different FIFA window against Orlando, which actually scored a goal, I believe, in that game. I'll double-check that before we go. But another pick that really just did not pan out, that was a horrible Washington team. The coach didn't make it halfway through the season. Um, to me, that's a complete complete and total miss pick. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at the time, she's good in college, had a youth national team record. Um, she's kind of like, I mean, similar to Bywaters, there are reasons for picking her, maybe not higher than others, maybe not number two. But shes I think she's kind of had an interesting career. She's floated around to a lot of different NWSL clubs. She kind of just, and kind of got over to other leagues and other countries, and she just keeps kind of popping up here and there, and she's kind of that sort of journeywoman role player that tends to get overlooked and then probably was or wasn't really a number two pick, but also is kind of the player that the league really couldn't do without. You've got to have those players willing to sit on the bench for eight games in hopes that they finally get in. You could call this call this whole draft the journey woman <laughs> draft, right? I mean, I mean, I was tracking some of the careers of some of these, and we're going to get to them, so I don't want to spoil this, but I was looking at the careers of four other first-round picks, and the number of teams that they have played for is remarkable. An interesting thing about McCarty is that she went to Houston in the expansion draft after 2013. And she did, by the way, score a goal in 2019, got in for 38 minutes and scored a goal in 2019. But she was she went to Houston. And when the Dash went to visit Sky Blue that year in 2014, Whitney Engen, who had been allocated to the Dash but was in Sweden, came back. And that was her first game. And they dominated Sky Blue, who were decent at that time. And they shut them out, and McCarty scored two goals. And for just a moment, it was like, oh, maybe the dash can actually be good. Maybe Tiffany McCarty has finally figured it out. Second year, new setting, teams just kind of getting things together. But unfortunately, I'm not sure the dash have ever played a game that good again six years later or so. Uh, Kansas City, number three. And, I mean, I, I could only imagine being in the room with Vlatko when – Neither of the first two teams took Christy Mewis because this was an absolute no-brainer pick for FC Kansas City. I mean, she was, you know, on the doorstep of being on the national team. At that, I mean, she was on the national team. She was on the doorstep of being a regular on the national team. You know, she was quick, feisty, played multiple different positions. 
terrific pick at number three and an easy one for FCKC, who also has a pretty good draft history. She was, uh, Mewis was allocated in 2013, 2014, and 2015. So I know she didn't stick with Kansas City that long, but yeah, you're right. She was midway through, right? 13? Yeah. Um, And then obviously, you know, they end up trading her after the season. And then she, she's one, you know, Chelsea just mentioned the journeywoman factor that, I mean, she's one of them, right? I mean, she goes to Seattle for a minute, Boston. She goes overseas a couple of times, goes to the Spirit, to the Red Stars, to the Dash in one season, um, which was pretty pretty crazy. And then, uh, you know, KC used her to get A-Rod after that season, too. So that was good value in that pick, not only for what they got in that one season, but long term. And that yeah. first year, go ahead, Chelsea. I was going to say, if, if you, you know, if they, the teams could go back and do this draft all over again, I, I don't know that she wouldn't. Um, despite, you know, Casey Short and 80 French being on there, I don't see that she doesn't, she's not someone they consider in hindsight to be a number one draft pick. I, yeah. I think she, she's, she's an interesting one too, because she, in a world where Tom Sermani doesn't get fired, she might have actually become like that regular, yeah. um, on the national team and she might be an outside back at this point in time as well. Uh, she's she's one who kind of you know definitely fell off the radar, tore ACL, and has kind of been slowly kind of working her way back up. I think all of most if not all of all of us had her had her on our, our rosters last week for sort of that second twenty three. So I would kind of consider her maybe a bubble player um, in, in the grander scheme of of the pool. So I, I think she's still got something left in her. I'm kind of curious to see if there's a season, what she does this season, what she does next year. I think she she's got something left in her. Yeah, we've never, I don't think we've even seen what she can accomplish, like where her potential ceiling is, just because of the way she's traded around. And then, uh, you mentioned the injury, but also the positional switches too. Yeah. I mean, center mid, outside mid, <laughs> outside back. Um, you can't, you can't change environments and change positions that often and fully develop in any of them. And that first year that actually benefited FCKC because she started as a as an outside midfielder. And then when they pulled that trade where they sent Renee Cuellar out to Seattle, I think they moved Matthias up and moved Mewis back into an outside back spot. And that kind of, I mean, they were good before that, but that made them even a little bit better. And as you mentioned, John, they flipped her for Amy Rodriguez. And I think most people think they don't win those two titles. Absolutely. That Amy Rodriguez. I don't know if you have the That's years. Difficult in front of you where Mewis played, but she had a stretch where she may have had the worst cumulative winning percentage over a two or three year period of any player. Cause she was on Boston for some bad years. Yep. And then she went to Washington when they got really bad. Right. Yeah. All right. Jim. And Gamera, then went to the Dash, always, who no. haven't been good. Yeah, that's true. A little better than those other teams, but that, that is correct. And uh, yeah, the, the year she tore ACL was her best season. And that, that was a shame. And she came back pretty good last year, I thought. So it'd be interesting to see where she winds up when we get back on the field. Uh, Jim Gabara is always one that um, his picks always generate murmurs throughout a draft room. And he took Lindsay Lizenby Cutchall with the number four pick defender out of BYU. And what I mostly remember about her is that she was injured a lot. I know you two both mentioned that you don't have a lot of, you know, you don't remember her a lot. I mean, she have, there were some times where her and Christy Pierce as a center back tandem was really, really good. 
So I put her a notch above Bywaters to where, you know, injuries maybe kept her from reaching her absolute peak. But looking back on it, I don't think you can view it as a positive pick. And I'm pretty sure she wound up getting pregnant and decided not to come back after having a baby. I mean, she might actually be more of a bust than Bywaters in the sense that I, I recognize the name. That's really all I remember about her, that she she existed. And Firewaters, <laughs> I could at least say a little bit more than that. Yeah, I think if you put out a survey to try to have people name all the first-round picks in the history of the league, that'd be one of the harder ones for people to come up with. All right, the fifth pick, and this is where the draft took a really interesting turn because there's a couple of things about this fifth pick. It's Casey Short to Boston. Now, first of all, when they allocated the players out, there were goal. Every team got a goalkeeper, but the Breakers and the Flash both got very young, very inexperienced Mexican keepers. The Breakers was Cecilia Santiago, who I think was 18 at the time, and Adriana Franch was considered the like one of the best goalkeeping prospects ever to come out of college. And the Breakers went with Casey Short. And look what happened with Casey Short. Never suited up for the breakers. That's not necessarily their fault. But you wonder how things might have been different had either Short stayed healthy or the breakers taken French in that five spot. Yeah, I mean, this is where she, I mean, she ends up having three knee surgeries before she ever plays in the NWSL. And went to um, Europe for a year. Right. Had to go to Norway, which I just found out this morning um, in, in kind of going back, doing some research on this, that the club she played for in Norway was the same club that Adriana Franch played for in Norway after she tore her ACL. Wow. Look at, at that. The same time. Yeah. A little fun fact. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Boston didn't get anything out of her, really. Uh, they ended up trading her to Chicago a year later, or at least her rights for a pick that uh, I don't think ever played a minute in the league. I think that's correct. I'll get you the name in a sec. Austin I think has, you're right has about that. bad luck with that. Yeah, I mean, Chicago, I, she broke tour ACL, didn't play that first year for Chicago either, her first two years. Well, she was she had the second knee surgery. Right, she didn't tear And then again, went to right. Norway in 2015, but you're right in that. I, the rights were traded ahead of the 2014 draft, and she didn't play for Chicago until 2016. Jealous, you were going to add something? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't really think at the time this was a bad pick for Boston. Obviously, nobody knew what was to come with her knee injury, so I think it, it was a strong pick at the time. Boston kind of tended to be a little bit unlucky and maybe unwise sometimes in, in their picks. Uh, this one, this was definitely just unlucky for them. Um, I, I would have been interesting for them, for me to see, you know, what her career would have been like if she hadn't had those knee injuries, had been with Boston, um, and kind of like Christy Mewis. We may have seen the best of her. I don't know that we've seen her ceiling, and obviously her story has yet to kind of be be played out. And um, we'll see where she goes. But obviously, she's like the best defender in the NBL right now. She tore that knee too with the uh, with the USU 23s, so she was kind of one of those bubble players at the time as well. It's interesting that I've got her listed here as a midfielder slash defender, which is funny because you wouldn't think of her as anything right now but a defender. 
and a very, very good one. I don't know that I blame the breakers for taking short, but I do feel like even if short was really good for them, that they chased that goalkeeper spot until Nayer showed up. And they just, I feel like they never kind of got out from under that and they didn't, their back line wasn't good enough. Maybe short would have made it better, but I do feel like they chased that goalkeeper thing uh, for a long time. Um, let's do one more, which is the flash stepped in and took Adriana French. And I was at her first game against Sky Blue, which they lost one nothing, but she was amazing in that game. Like her shot stopping ability from the beginning was off the charts. And she lacked I thought she lacked a little bit in terms of positioning and whatnot, but her ability to stop shots was incredible. And then she tore her ACL, John, as you mentioned, I think on the first day of training camp in twenty fourteen, then left the league and came back kind of weirdly through Orlando, traded her rights to Portland, and we know the rest is history. A couple of straight uh, goalkeeper of the year awards in there and, and an NWSL championship. Uh, six is really high for a keeper, but it obviously worked because they won the Shield and almost won the title that year. It's pretty crazy to think of a rookie starting every single game for a team that wins the Shield. You know, yeah, I, Can you imagine that happening in, in 2020? It's it's tough because the league is just stacked with goalkeepers. It's a pretty amazing story, too, especially because that's a position that people generally think is one of those ones where you keep improving with age. I was going to say, other than Casey Murphy, I don't like, there haven't really been a lot of really top rookies. And, and Murphy even had a lot of that spell in, in France. So who knows how much that helped her out before she got to, to the rain. Yeah, this is pick is interesting because I think right now we would say why would you waste the number six pick on a goalkeeper? That's just not yeah. something that's done now because you don't need to. I'm right. not certain they necessarily needed to at the number six either. Maybe you know Boston snatches them up next, snatches her up next time it comes around. But I think that's one you can kind of take a risk on. And maybe this is just me coming from a 2020 viewpoint, but I kind of tend to think you can let those fall a little bit, and they're probably still going to be around. Or there's there's going to be a keeper out there, um, but obviously she, she's one that's kind of like uh, Mewis in the sense that she really was. There was a lot of buzz around her coming out of college, a lot of talk about, you know, Hope Solo's successor and that sort of thing, and then just kind of f- fell off because she got injured at the wrong time and, and really took her quite probably longer than she thought to, to work her way back onto the scene, and now she's a World Cup champion. And the only player out of this draft that is a World Cup champion at this point. Indeed. All right, two more picks to go, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with the other two picks and then look at some of the players down draft and uh, maybe some other tidbits around the world of women's soccer. With Chelsea and John, I'm Dan on the Equalizer podcast. Hey, everyone. Jeff Kasouf here, founder of the Equalizer. We'll get back to the podcast in just a moment. But first, I want to make sure you know about another podcast that we have called Kicking Back. In Kicking Back, I speak with players, coaches, and personalities from across women's soccer about defining moments in their careers and what their futures hold. It's a casual, conversational podcast featuring superstars of the game and unsung heroes you probably don't know enough about. We talked to Becky Sauerbrunn about the moment she realized that she was good enough to play for the U.S. national team. Crystal Dunn describes her love-hate relationship with constantly switching positions and how she and her husband manage working for rival NWSL teams. Allie Riley traces her globe-trotting journey and shares her Oscar-worthy video moments and top vegan recipes. Jill Ellis details the tactical nuance most people missed as she guided the U.S. to -to back-to-back World Cup titles. Beverly Yanez reflects on the growth of her game throughout her career and when she knew it was time to start the next chapter. 
Our podcast is wide-ranging and our list of guests ever-growing. You can find Kicking Back, no G in there, just an apostrophe because we're keeping it casual, on any platform you use to stream podcasts, including this one right here. Just like with this podcast, subscribers to the Equalizer Extra get an ad-free version, so be sure to subscribe to all of our exclusive content, which includes text, audio, everything, at equalizersoccer.com slash subscribe. When you finish up with this pod, please go ahead and check out our latest on Kicking Back. We hope the two of these complement each other nicely as you dive deeper into women's soccer. Back on the Equalizer podcast with a reminder to please check us out on the web at equalizersoccer.com or for premium content, equalizersoccer.com slash subscribe. And also, please remember to rate and review the Equalizer podcast today. As far as that premium content, we are doing our best with no soccer to speak of to get you uh, some premium content. So it's equalizersoccer.com slash subscribe. Dan, with Chelsea and John in the last two picks in that first round were the uh, Cascadia teams. The rain went with Christine Naren. And this is one of those ones, you know, I thought Naren was okay for the rain. I thought she had some really good years in Washington after they moved her. But when they moved her, they wound up with Kim Little. Yep. The funny thing here is that the rain were picking seventh with their, you know, I mean, they wound up building a pretty poor roster after that. But everyone thought after the allocations that the rain were going to be one of the teams and Laura Harvey and it didn't happen. But uh, I think they got what they needed to, at least out of Naren. She had five assists and three goals that first year as a rookie. She starts every game. And then, as you mentioned, you bring in Kim Little, who wins the Golden Boot and MVP the next season. Team wins the Shield. Like, that's the value, at least, even if it didn't all directly come from Nairn. is is crazy. And they got her back, too, didn't they? She played. She went back out there for a season, right? Yeah, but I can't remember what year that was. Also, a very brief cup of coffee with the national team, and I thought she, I thought she might have some staying power, but it, I, I think her game I found over the years a little bit too inconsistent week over yeah. week. Yeah, I think I think she's a solid pick at, at seven for for the rain. Um, she is inconsistent, but you kind of know what you're going to get from her. She's great on on a dead ball. She's a hard worker. Um, I think she's got strong on the field leadership. I, I think she's a solid pick. Now, one thing I don't remember in terms of the rain picking seventh, which meant they were judged to be one of the stronger sides. Do, did we know already that Amy Rodriguez wasn't going to play that year? Anybody remember that? I don't or remember the, when. You were the knew. best suited to answer that, Dan. Because yeah, <laughs> if you don't remember, it. we probably don't remember. I, I'm like, you know, I don't want to say that out loud, but, you know, because she wound up, she was allocated to the rain, wound up getting pregnant, didn't play. And then got traded to FCKC. All right, Portland is next, and Portland took Cat Williamson. And this is actually probably the best short-term pick of the first round because she slotted right in as a center back next to uh, what was still Rachel Bueller, I think. It was still Rachel Bueller back then, and uh, might have been Von Hollebeck. And she basically started. She started every game. She has the distinction of being sent off in the final. Uh, maybe Abby helped that, Abby Wambach, with a little embellishment, but they won that game. And, uh, you know, well done by the Thorns with the Cat Williamson taking number eight. 
How did she end up going back there too? Because I, I was looking further down the board, and when Amber Brooks was traded, they traded for Zerboni and Williamson. So she had left the team for a bit and come, came back two seasons. How did that work? She went to the Flash, and she played for the Flash. And I can't remember who the Flash sent back, but yeah, she did wind up going back out to Portland, and then also retired kind of young and kind of abruptly, I thought. So, yeah, she had the one season, and they traded her after they won the title with her. And, uh, yeah, let's see if we can get that information pulled up while we continue our, our conversation. But, that is uh, weird to be traded away from a team and then brought right back a year later. Yes, very much so. Although that, uh, a lot of things changed, I think, in that on that team over the uh, over the years. With the, you know, Riley came in, and then that 15 team was, was kind of unusual. I want right. to say that she was traded back. I don't remember what the player was, but I think there was a pick, and I think it turned out to be Jalen Hinkle. I have these uh, random that... tidbits of knowledge. All right, well, that might be, because I've got here that she was traded on 2014 with Courtney Wetzel for Portland's first-round pick in 2015. Oh, and Portland's first-round pick in 2015 to the Flash for Sarah Huffman and a player to be named later who turned out to be Veronica Bouquet. So that's actually a bigger trade than I thought. Let's check out the Hinkle pick was the seventh pick in that trade from Portland Thorns FC. So you're right about that. So you have just taken the mantle of most likely to remember (laughs) random minutia. Yeah, it's not as consistent as, as you, but I have my moments. Thank you. And that, uh, you know, we don't have to, you know, the other thing about that, uh, that first round for the Flash in 2015, the Mewis pick was for Sam Kerr. Oh. Of course you know, because you know all the minutia. Oh, well, you know, I was I didn't want to brag. <laughs> all right, let's go real quick, team by team. There were no trades in this draft. It was just straightforward, four rounds. Red Stars, Rachel Kwan, Taylor Vansel, Jen Hoy. I think we already touched on that and don't need to go any farther. Spirit, Caroline Miller. Holly King, Colleen Williams. You put those together with Tiffany McCarty. I challenge anybody to come up with a draft that yielded less total than those four players. Williams uh, tore her ACL during that first season and I don't think ever played again and actually was quoted in a local paper about how horrible the conditions were in the league. But that was just not nothing other than getting Parsons as the coach halfway through in 2013. Not much went right for the spirit. That first season. Kansas City now, and I'll let you take this one, John. Erica Timrak, who was Rookie of the Year, Whitney Berry, and Nia Williams, who played a little bit, and whose father was Hugh Williams, who was the assistant coach and later the general manager over there. Yeah, I was going to say that for me, the Timrak pick is important because I think that makes, at least for me, um, Kansas City the team with the best draft that year because – you look at Tim Rack, so she's picked early in the second round. Uh, as you mentioned, rookie of the year, six goals, four assists. She has four goals the next two years. She spends her whole career with that club. I know we they transferred the assets to Utah, et cetera. She was player of the month that July. And then, again, you combine that with the Mewis pick, which eventually leads to the A-Rod trade. And you look at the value that Kansas City – picked up there and was able to, in my opinion, turn into two championships. A lot of that, the building blocks are right there in this draft. 
And if you remember that first season, Tim Rack and Holiday were amazing together. Tim yeah, Rack was... Well, you mentioned like players having a cup of coffee with the national team. Like she was there for that. There was like yeah. that. She's the next generation creative midfielder that we've been waiting for. Yeah, in fact, we got a Ted Williams comment on Twitter that Tim Rack was one of my favorite players out of the box in NWSL, part of the two titles. If you had told me she would have only had a cup of coffee with the national team and scoring one goal, I would have argued with you vehemently. Ultimately, I don't think she was good enough defensively to hang with the national team, but a real solid career. It kind of ended too soon. I mean, she definitely fell off a lot after, you know, not really getting in with the national team after her rookie year. Um, but still to think that she's retired now is, is baffling to me. It's kind of sad. It is. Yeah. You're right. Cause you think about like, there was, there was a higher ceiling there. I don't know why it didn't come off, but you're right. Sky blue went Kendall Johnson, Ashley Baker and Becky Kaplan. I don't know if you guys have anything to say about those three though. Kendall Johnson was pretty good for a couple of years in your league, but. I was associate well, Kendall Johnson with Portland. I forget that she was the Sky Blue. Right, and she played her college soccer out there. But, yeah, they, she eventually went out and played for the Thorns, right, a little bit? Yeah. Uh, Ashley Baker. The interesting thing on Ashley Baker was that she was the third keeper on that team, but uh, Jill Lloyden, I guess, was injured at the start of 2013. So the last game before Lloyden came back, they were winning 5-1, and Gabara threw her in in the 90th minute. And Ashley Baker, knowing that she probably wouldn't dress again for the rest of the season. And one of those five goals, by the way, was that famous um, bicycle kick, the uh, Lisa Devana bicycle kick. Anyway, the, uh, the Sky Blue gets called for a penalty in stoppage time, and I'm like, oh, this is tough for Ashley Baker. Like Her career numbers might be one game, one minute, one goal. That's a goal against average of 90. Leanne Sanderson stepped up, and Baker saved it. So she's got one minute in the league and a saved PK. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, breakers, Mariah Nogueira, Joe Dragota, and Maddie Evans. You know, Maddie Evans is a pretty decent stretch pick in the fourth round. Um, you know, Nogueira was a decent bench player in Seattle and you know, I guess has a trophy on her mantle case because she was at least on the 2014 team that won the the Shields. Uh, but that's not a real inspiring group for the Breakers either. Oh, I think Maddie Evans is, is solid, though. I mean, she, she had a decent career. Yeah, she did. Wound up in Orlando at the end. In fact, I was actually in Orlando for her. What was her final game in the league? I know nobody cares, but uh, I was. Uh, Flash, Amy Barzik. Vicky DiMartino and Jackie Logue. I admit I know nothing about Jackie Logue. Barzik should have been red carded in the final when she took out Tobin Heath with a very violent two-foot tackle. But was a decent, like, secondary defensive midfield kind of player. And DiMartino was good pre-NWSL and then just kind of faded pretty quickly. You want to about any of those three? Uh, not much to say there. Uh, Rain had Mallory Schaefer from William and Mary, Kristen Meyer, and Haley Kottmeyer with the 31st pick, who is still an active player and had some really nice Hallie. runs backing up Hope Solo. 
didn't she get waived by Orlando? I, I believe don't think she did, but I, but I don't think Oh, you're just retired. talking about a player in general. Okay, that's true. Right. I thought you meant still in the league. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I think she's around if someone needs a goalkeeper. I think she's on the list of people who might sign, right? Yeah, I mean, or, she was – she was. everyone thought she was going to kind of be, you know, Hope Solo's successor at, at the reign. She kind of got her chance at being the starting goalkeeper and was weirdly not as solid as a starter as she always was as a backup. But I thought she was a very solid backup. I, I'd have her on my team as, as your backup goalkeeper anytime. And not only solid as a backup, but over long stretches because Solo went to World Cup. Solo got hurt. Like she had, like she would play eight, nine, ten games in a row and be okay. really good. But I agree. When, when Solo left after the 2016 Olympics because she never came, she never played again after that. I thought Kottmeyer was very subpar, yeah. certainly in 2017, and didn't really, you know. And again, I think she's been, a, she was a pretty solid backup for Harris in Orlando, also. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's, it's the weirdest thing that when she's she knows she's going to be there temporarily, she performs really well. But I guess maybe she's one who needs a challenge. I don't know. Thorns last team: Nicolette Radovchik. Hopefully, I said that correctly. Amber Brooks and Roxanne Barker. I know, John, you have an Amber Brooks comment. Yeah, I just thought you know when I looked at this again, I thought how did she fall to the last pick of the third round? But then I remembered she was overseas at the time. And didn't and come did, back right. for a season. Um, and she's another one who was kind of on that bubble. She may have, I don't know if anybody's ever asked her this, but I, I would guess she came back because of her national team aspirations. And um, she ends up. That's correct. Right. I mean, that was in that, there was that period there right before the 2015 World Cup where a lot of the players who had skipped the first year of the NWSL came back. And everybody knew they had to be available for national team camps. And I think she was one of those. And she starts every game the following year. So she doesn't play in the NWSL in 2013, but comes back in 2014. Uh, Portland obviously goes to the playoffs that year. And then uh, and then she gets traded away after the season. I think she's a great third right. round pick. Yeah. Oh, yeah in retro- fact, you, our other... Our other Twitter comment is from our friend Ted, who said he was shocked to find out Amber Brooks was not taken until the last pick of the third round. But, yeah, that is the reason that she was over in Europe and wasn't expected to play. And I think, John, not only did she come back to the States to be on the national team, I think she committed to the move to center back because she thought that was her best path to the national team, which was probably correct. I just don't think she's yeah. good enough to, to I thought do that it. was a Vera Paul thing. I think she had she saw that because at the time there was this sort of lack of depth at center back and I I think okay. she saw that she probably could could I, I think yeah because right I always there. thought at the league level she played better as a holding mid I I agree but I think that's why she's kind of stayed there even after yeah. Verapola I would like to see her as a center back but with somebody else much better than her as the partner. She didn't really, I mean, until this last year, she kind of struggled for a partner in that regard, right? I mean, there was... Right, that's what I'm saying. Like she, like yeah. She was it leading the was back not, line. Yeah. It we'll clearly see, was not what was happening in Houston. We'll see where the uh, the rain user, she's back with them. Yeah, they've got, they've got the, I think they've got the most fascinating roster of any team, just in terms of they have any number of different possibilities of how they could line up. But 
let's see if we can get some uh, some movement and traction into actually having teams train and have a season before we worry too much about that. Last question for you guys. Um, I got I, in an interesting Twitter conversation in the aftermath of last week when we did the uh, second 23, and someone was saying they thought we were going to break up the 23 from 2019 into two teams. And I don't want to go through that whole process, but I was kind of bouncing this off Chelsea, and then we thought maybe we should discuss it. Uh, so I'm going to make you put you on the spot, John, to answer this first. If you were drafting for 29 from that 2019 World Cup team, if you were drafting, who would you pick first? And then if you had the second team and that first player was off the board, who would you pick second? Yeah, who would you pick is, first for the second team? This is a tough question, uh, and we we talked a little bit about this before we started today. So I had uh, narrowed it down to four choices. I'll kind of walk through my rationale, and then I'll tell you if you uh, you know force me to, to pull the trigger. Uh, my first initial thought was Julie Ertz because she's the linchpin of your midfield. You lock that down, everything else is going to take care of itself, um, and obviously not just her defensive ability in the midfield but I think that one thing that's gone unnoticed about her over the past two years is how much better she's gotten in possession and then you add in that competitive fire that leadership uh, that seems like a pretty good choice but on that same midfield tick I also thought well Sam Mewis or Lindsey Horan would be great picks as well because both of them can score goals both of them are going to control the middle of the park for you both of them are in their you know mid-20s solid international experience, leaders of your team. And then the one that I thought most people might not think of, but I would seriously consider as the first pick of building a team would be Tierna Davidson. She's young, but I think she has the quality to be the next Becky Sauerbrunn. And obviously, if you start with a solid foundation in the back and you start with a player who is as smart as her, who can build out of the back, you can then start to put some pieces around her. And plus the fact that she's 20 years old, you might get 10, 15 years out of that pick. So I think there's a lot of value there. But if you forced me to pick, I think I would go with Haran. Ertz, Haran, you mean? Ertz first? No, I'd go go Haran. Haran would be my number one choice. It'd be tough. I think the fact that Haran can do a lot of the same things that Ertz can do in that holding mid position, but Haran can also be that, as we saw in the 2018 NWSL season, she can be that late arriver into the box, deliver goals. I think that adds just a tiny bit of value, but it's it's close. And then who would be your who would be next if I, I took Haran and who would you take next? I would probably go Mewis at that point for that same reason that I think she has a lot of the same qualities as Ertz, but maybe just a tiny bit more. But it's tough. I could go with any one of those four. I'd be happy as a clam um, building a team. But yeah, if if you made me pick top four, I'd go Haran, Mewis, um, and then Ertz and Davidson. Chelsea, what do you think? I think Ertz would be my, my, if I had the first pick, it would be Julie Ertz. No questions about it. Um, for all the things that, that John listed, just the qualities that she brings on both sides of the ball, the leadership. Um, I, I just think she, she's the most important player on that team. And I think she was their best player at the World Cup last summer and just didn't get that recognition because of the position she plays in. And, um, 
I'd like to see her go back to scoring some goals and set pieces. I think she kind of gotten away from that. But I, I, easy question. And then number two, um, Sam Mewis. I think she, she can provide defensive cover. I think she can see passing lanes that nobody else sees around them. Um, she can score from distance. She's got the high. She can win, win battles. She's typically, I think, a pretty disciplined and clean player. Um, that was pretty, pretty easy picks for me, I think. But I also had the benefit of talking to you about this like five days ago. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I thought Ertz easily first, no question about it. I think for my second pick, I thought about it in a couple of different ways. If I was doing it, you know, like to start the new program, then I would probably take Sam Ewis. But if I were picking just to try to win, say, a World Cup or an Olympics, then I still think you can make a case for Sauerbrunn or even for a healthy Rapino or Morgan. Because I think in the short term right now, those players can be difference makers. Obviously, long term, you're not going to take any of them high up. But if you're taking it, if you're starting a new program and you're going to blow it up, I would consider Crystal Dunn. I had I had thought of her too because she's obviously such a versatile and impactful player. The only thing that had made me hesitate a little bit was something we actually talked about last week, which is that her ability in the midfield is kind of limited, at least as far as we've seen, to certain systems. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you, were, I would consider like let me take Crystal Dunn and build a program around. Yeah. You'd have to at that point because otherwise you're not really – I guess she could play forward for anybody, right? So I, I, she, she, her versatility also gives her added value. Absolutely. All right, another fun podcast. We'll, we'll can, can I ask to, you guys a question yeah, before we yeah, jump please, off? Please, please, please I, please. I thought we'd tie this back in. If you guys had to redraft 2013, who's your number one pick? Ooh, that's um, – If you have the number one overall pick, who are you taking? Knowing what I know now and not – Factoring in any other roster decisions that have or haven't been made, I think Casey Short is the best player on that board. What do you think, Chelsea? Yeah, I think Short is the best pure player, and obviously it's hard to draft someone without knowing what positionally you need. But, yeah, she's she's the best soccer player. Um, I think my runner-up would be Christy Mewis. She yeah. brings a little bit, again, of that versatility. Yeah, I'd go Mewis just because I think center mid's a more important position for the team. But, yeah, those are definitely one and two, I think. All right, good stuff. Um, Let us know what you think of the show, whether we should uh, come back and rehash some of the other NWSL drafts. They certainly uh, got more interesting than 2013 when teams actually made trades and had existing rosters and whatnot. But we'll be back next week. And we'll have some other women's soccer topic of interest for you. So for Chelsea Bush and John Halloran, I'm Dan Lalletta. Thanks for listening to the Equalizer podcast. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your Internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.